Welcome to the Banned Library Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about books and movies that have been banned or censored or otherwise removed from schools, libraries, reading lists, flop houses, general places where kids hang out, public parks. You ever seen some asshole watching a movie on his phone in a public park and wondered, what's this guy's deal? He should leave. What's he watching? Who cares? Get him out. That's the sentimentality around this movie. Little gangs of children going around doing horrible things. And the adults in their lives going, we got shit to do. Today we're going to be talking about Larry Clark and Harmony Corinne's kids. My name is S.D. Harker. I'm a librarian, writer, was once a kid, did probably horrible, despicable things to adults and other kids too, because that's what kids do that, you know, have goals or lack of goals when their goal is basically just have fun, go out, do whatever they want to do. Thankfully, knock on wood, I had no real repercussions from that. Fortunately, a lot of friends I know did. So this movie comes along as sort of a gut punch. I was a kid when this came out, and thankfully, didn't have quite the opposition that these kids had, or lack of. I had a little bit of awareness around me, the consequences of some of my actions, at least. A couple habits have carried on through adulthood, but for the most part, I had people looking out for me, other friends. These kids did not. I remember watching this movie when I was little and thinking, well, these people are assholes completely and totally because they're doing horrible, despicable things, yet some of the things look like they were having fun. You can claim this to be an exploitation movie. Inner city kids going on rampages, doing whatever they like with themselves, with other people, with their genitals, just having fun. It's kind of crazy. So let's get into how this all started. Again, I said it was directed by Larry Clark. He's a documentarian. He covers a lot of youth culture. From what I've heard, he's still, even though he's in, got to be in his 60s now, 70s, somewhere in there, he still hangs out with kids, tries to get into the youth culture. He even learned to skateboard for this movie while doing it. He first provoked controversy in 1971 with the photography book Tulsa revealing sex, violence, drug use in his Oklahoma hometown. His next book was Teenage Lust, same kind of outrage that later surrounded kids, showing kids doing kid things, kids being sexualized. When I say kids, I mean people under the age of 18, minors. These aren't completely tiny children. These are mostly teenagers doing their thing. But even as we will learn in kids, there's some younger children in here doing some and talking about some pretty despicable things as if they were adults. Mr. Clark said, quote, if you look at all my work, I'm always about three years early. So the kids who saw the film said, gee, man, this gets what's happening. This is real. Unquote. Which, in some respects, like I said, my teenage years were filled with some moderate debauchery. 
some hanging out, some going around. Hell, I grew up an hour away from New Orleans. These things happened. Even in the small town where I lived in, hell, I watch a lot of these TV shows about small towns going crazy. Well, yeah. A lot of the David Lynch stuff kind of reminds me of my hometown a little bit. The under, the underbelly of all the dirt and grime that goes on in those little hamlets that look so nice and picturesque in their little buildings, but when you actually look at what the kids are up to, holy hell. Kids are the same pretty much everywhere. A lot of parents kind of agree that he's just a dirty old man, quote, a dirty old man's fantasy. All you had to do is read the newspapers the next few years. Everything seems to happen, though, before, as he photographs it. He goes in, sees the realness. A couple years later, Dateline's doing a special on kids doing rainbow parties and other stupid shit that kids have never done. Kids is his first movie that he directed. The writer, Harmony Corinne, born in California, raised in Tennessee, this was his first movie. He wrote it at the age of 19. He went on to make such movies as Spring Breakers, Trash Humpers, Gummo. He is married with two children and has a decent career at this point. Now, the script was commissioned by Larry Clark for like Harmony Corinne, like I said, when he was 19 years old. It sparked a bidding war. Miramax bought it for $3.5 million. The first appearances and most of the cast were... These are just normal kids that Harmony Corinne knew around the streets of New York, or he found them in the streets of New York. This is the first movie for Rosario Dawson, Chloe Sevigny, not sure. You may know Rosario Dawson from Rent. I think she was in the Clerks 2 movie. She's been in a bunch of other stuff, Sin City. Uh, some reason I can't think of her really big stuff. She was in the TV show Daredevil on Netflix and a couple of those other Marvel Netflix movies, Chloe Sevigny went on to have an interesting career, to say the least. The last time I think I saw her was in American Horror Story. She was playing some of the moms in there. Some weird vampire plot in the hotel season, I know that one. She was also somewhat famous for giving an unsimulated blowjob in The Brown Bunny. I believe that was her. But not to bring that back up too much. There was an... Actress hired Mia Kirshner, if you know who she is. The only thing I can think that she was in, she was with Chris Evans in that Not Another Teen movie. She was the weird sister playing off of the cruel intentions. But I can't think of her in anything else, honestly. The kid who played Telly, I believe his name was Fitzpatrick, was found skateboarding around New York City. He was doing tricks and cursing himself out. And Crin looked over and was like, hey, can you act? Or to some such reason. So yeah, all these kids were first time. And some of these, it's their only credit. It was a 39-day shoot in New York City in the summer of 1994. cost $1.5 million to do. It was shot like a documentary, but if you read the script, everything the kids say is pretty much in the script itself. It grossed $7.4 million in North America and $20 million worldwide, so it did pretty well. It has currently a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. Some say, some critics say it was challenging. Others say it's exploitive. Harmony Corinne blamed the bad reception on the lack of moral message or compass. It doesn't judge the kids. It just shows them do horrible shit. 1995 Independent Spirit Awards had won 
One win for Justin Pierce, who played Casper, and three other nominations. Now, of course, we wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't banned. Its original rating was an NC-17, and when they appealed, they said, well, if you cut this, this, and this, we'll lower it to an R and Harmicran, and Larry Clark said, no, we won't cut it. So they got its NC-17. The problem there is that Miramax is a Disney company at this point. Harvey Weinstein and his brother owned it, and they still believed in it, though. They thought it would make some money, or at least get some attention. So they created an entire company called Shining Excalibur Productions to release the film. Just a one-shot that's the only movie that's ever been on that label. It was banned in Britain after 40 seconds wouldn't be cut, because there's a law there that says a juvenile cannot be in the room with a sexually explicit scene, and there is obviously a juvenile in one of the scenes where there is a rape happening. In 1995, in South Africa, it was banned for two years, but unbanned in 1997 on appeal with a no, no under-16 age re- restriction. So yeah, there's a couple places that really just did not like this movie, or at least labeled it as something that should not or could not be seen in major motion pictures, which is all the MPA regulation sometimes seems to be. Putting a stamp on something, and a lot of the major theater chains won't show anything over a rated R, so the art house cinema has to take over. The fact that it's still got $7.4 million in this country is kind of amazing, honestly. And probably did even better on video and rental sales. So let's get into the movie, why don't we? Let's see what's so just creepy about this movie. And in some points, it does feel that way. Especially the opening shot, which is our main character, I guess, Telly, just making out with this girl. And it's these long shots with these gross smacking noises of them deep kissing. Clearly underage kids. Clearly, I think, though, Delia was like 19 when they, the Fitzpatrick was 19 when they did this. Most of the quote-unquote kids in this movie are over 18 when they're doing most of it. But some of these kids do feel underage. Almost all of them definitely have that vibe of being reckless and irresponsible. And most of them are supposed to be in the thing of the movie between... Ages 12 and 16, somewhere in there. Until he's, when they finish kissing, he starts trying to convince her to have sex with him. And we get a voiceover saying, sex is the best thing ever, it's the only thing he's got going for him. And she asks him, do you care about me? This more than just sex? And he says, of course. Like every douchebag ever who's just wanted sex. And he tells the audience, he loves fucking virgins. Especially... When we cut back and we see that, yes, this is her first time and it's painful and it's not fun because Telly's just having sex to get what's his, get what he wants, not what, he's not giving anything for her. He's getting what he wants and it's rough and it's painful for her, you can tell. So from this first scene, it's just, it's horrible to watch. It's difficult. If you can get through that, well... Guess what? There's a lot more gut punches because this film's all about acceleration, about escalation, about showing these kids going more and more deprived throughout this day. So Telly leaves. We have him meet his friend outside, Casper. 
and they walk away and he's telling her about it. Man, that girl was 12. Man, that girl tasted fine. Man, that girl was great. You can smell how good she is. And Casper asked to smell his finger a couple times. We see Casper's, Casper's a glutton. He's been drinking and reading comic books. The first scene we see him in, constantly talking about Telly, about how can't believe that you know you always get these virgins. Let me smell your finger again. He's a creepy kid, this Casper. Just a glutton in the best way. Or in the, I bet not the best way, but a great example of a glutton in itself. He's excessive. Decadent is another word probably for this. So yeah, they go into a bodega, and Telly goes right up to the clerk and asks, Hey, do you have this dick? The clerk is not a native English speaker, and he starts, I don't know what this dick is. He says, this dick, this dick, where is it? While he's yelling at the guy, Casper goes along the back, goes into the beer cooler, grabs a 40 of Old English or some crab beer, shoves it down his pants, goes walking out with this huge lump in his pants, down by his ankle, obviously a beer, and grabs his crotch and says, this dick hath hole, and they walk out. It's the joke, ha ha. But it's basically a misdirection, so he can steal the beer. And they go to this flophouse apartment, and this is actually kind of a fascinating scene, and really well done, because the flophouse apartment where they're at, I think his name is Javier, who owns the place, they've got a bunch of kids staying there, they're all, all the boys are just talking shit, as boys are wont to do. But it also cuts back and forth between a bunch of girls talking shit, as girls are wont to do, because... Guess what? We're all human. We all do the same thing. But it's the complimentary writing here that's actually really well done. We learn that yeah, Casper always does more than he ever needs to. They're doing whippets, which is basically uh, just a gas propellant, and they're putting it in a balloon and huffing it to get high. And Casper does like this huge, big balloon version and just is so fucked up, and he's talking about it. And they start talking about sex. Telly says girls like it's slow, romantic. They love sucking dick. But it, he hates condoms, Telly does. It's horrible. Make your dick get small, he says. And we cut to the girls while they're talking. And the girls are talking the same thing, but saying opposites. Casper loves, or no, Telly loves having sex with virgins because they'll always remember their first. Whereas we cut over to Ruby, Rosaria Dawson, saying she doesn't even remember the guy who took her virginity. And they enjoy sex, the girls do, but they want foreplay more. Kind of leaning into that slow and romantic thing, but less about the sex and more about the experience. And the girls start talking about hating to suck dick. Hate swallowing is very graphic content for the time, like I said. Apparently Rosario Dawson at this point was a straight-A student who didn't enjoy any of these kind of behaviors, so... When she told her parents that she was in this movie, she didn't tell them exactly what she would be talking about and several of her relatives were upset with her. But yeah, they're going on. The boys say girls love sucking dick. The girls say they hate it. And Jenny, our main character, other main character, Chloe Sevigny, she says that Telly's the only boy she's ever had sex with and he never called her again, so she hates him. She doesn't like him. He's a, he's a horrible person. We learn that Jenny and Ruby are going to get drug tested because while Jenny's only had sex with one person, Ruby gets around a lot. And they're only 16 years old, 
So we may as well, you know, be safe about it, which is a responsible choice. One of the only responsible choices in this movie is that with these girls go to get tested. And we get the whole run through the screening process as both girls are asked the same questions. How many partners have you had? Have you ever had anal sex? Have you ever used condoms? How many times? All that kind of stuff. And we get the range of Ruby's experiences. Whereas, and then we get the results later on. Which I'm not sure if we're supposed to believe this is the same day or how fast, but we learn that Ruby's clean. She doesn't have any sexual diseases whatsoever. Whereas Jenny, in a disproportionate, disproportionate, almost like the universe is fucking with her. She's got HIV. We cut back to Telly. He's telling Casper he wants to have sex with this young girl that he knows, Darcy. And Casper's like, two virgins in one day? You're crazy. It's no way you can do it. He says, yeah, well, I met this girl. Remember we were having this watermelon and she was licking the watermelon juice off her fingers and she handled it out. Drove me crazy. And Casper says, and they're on the subway and Casper just, oh, man, I can't believe you would even try, but yeah, let's go for it, man. Do what you gotta do. As they're talking, this guy comes in to the subway car. He's got no legs. He's on one of those scooter platforms. And dude just looks over and he's saying, I got no legs. And he has a cup of change. And we get one almost tender moment with Casper where he gives the guy money. And you almost want to think that this fucker, this little bastard is going to mess with this guy. He's going to kick the change over. He's going to steal the money. We've seen him do nothing but depravity. But he just sort of nods. And the guy goes by. You're like, oh, okay. Maybe he's not such a bad guy after all. And Jenny calls home. She gets her brother and her mom's not home. And she hangs up and starts crying, saying, I can't take care of my brother anymore. Basically, remember, at this time, HIV was a death sentence. AIDS was a horrible, horrible thing. We have better drugs now. It's still a killer. It's still a danger, but it's manageable now. But 20 years ago, 25 years ago when this movie was made, it was a death sentence. And she starts crying. She starts freaking out. I can't be able to make his lunches anymore. And Ruby holds her and she cries and she says, I got to go find Telly. Because now we realize that the only, only person she's ever had sex with is this fucker Telly, who's an asshole. He's got HIV and he's been spreading it because he doesn't like condoms. And then we have to retroactively learn that he just gave HIV to that girl at the beginning. A fucker, this asshole, morally reprehensible human being who is out for his own. That's all he is. Every action, every meaning is just for his own gratification. Little bastard. We learn this even more. Probably where he learned this because the boys go to Telly's house and they ask his mom for money and she's she's has this baby she's nursing. And Casper just can't stop looking at this woman's tits. And this is not like a sexual experience. The woman just living her life has this baby smoking a cigarette at the same time. And they ask for money. And mom says, no, you little bastard, get out of here. I don't have any money. I would if I could. She seems, if distracted, not a horrible person, just, just not very involved in her kid's life. But they go into his mom's room and they steal the money anyway, even talking about how much they need or want. And Casper starts fucking around with a tampon that's just kind of gross. He puts it in his drink and like sucks on it. Little bastard's just crazy. As they leave, the baby's asleep and he asks again, can I have some money? After stealing it. Telly's just a dick. 
And his mom's like, if I had it, I'd give it to you. We learned that he did have it. But she maybe she was saving that for, I don't know, diapers, baby clothes, something. But they go to the park to buy weed because, you know, this is what kids do. And we get a tutorial about how to roll a blunt from this one kid. You know, open up the swisher, put the weed, dump out the tobacco, put the weed in, and then smoke it. And they're skateboarding, and they start yelling slurs at this gay couple that walks by. Just a bunch of assholes. And this guy bumps into Casper, tells him to watch where he's going. And Casper says, what did you say? And all the goodwill that Casper had with the guy with no legs in the subway goes right out the door. And Casper hits the guy with his skateboard, and all the other skateboard kids roll in and just start beating the shit out of this guy. Beat the hell out of him, close to death to where he's laying down. And Casper gets the final blow where he just knocks the guy completely down. Apparently this was based on a real incident Corinne saw, filming close to the original spot where they actually filmed it. Where it actually happened. We cut over to Jenny in a cab, and there's this almost grandfatherly but super creepy cab driver saying oh you're such a pretty girl why are you so upset you shouldn't be upset and there's this weird this is a jazz fusion type music playing that i believe this movie popularized a little bit but it's just an odd dichotomy of this almost kind but sort of creepy man asking this young girl who's going through some serious shit what's her problem what's going on and telly in company, he's gathered up a couple people from the park now, including Howard and this girl Kim and Kim's friend and some other kids. They go pick up Darcy, the young girl he wants to have sex with. She's 12 years old, we've learned. Come on down, come have fun. She can't date, though, but it's okay, it doesn't matter. And as they're waiting on Darcy to come down, says, Hey, you think we killed that guy in the park? He says, Nah, he was twitching when we left. Assholes. Again, a spark of humanity rubbed out by the need or want for sex or more. It's just insane. They break into a pool. Uh, Apparently this pool was also featured in Raging Bull. There's a lot of New York City pseudo landmarks in this movie. And there is sort of a funny scene where Harold swings his dick around. And actually this is one of the first scenes that was filmed apparently. And the slapping sounds you hear of his dick hitting, we don't actually see anything, but his dick hitting his thighs, that's actual from the actual actor. This was a real thing, and it sort of united the cast. It broke the tension, an icebreaker, if you will, as much dick swinging tends to be sometimes. Until he pulls Darcy off to the side. He's talking her up and says, oh yeah, well I care, and you know, there's nothing wrong with me and she says yeah my mom doesn't let me date because there's so many problems with it and she says what problems and we cut to him fucking that girl in the morning of course he cares he's a nice guy that's what he puts out but he's just a dick and then we're forced to remember that oh yeah he's also got HIV and he's trying to give this girl it too he doesn't know of course he doesn't wouldn't care would he care even if he did fucked up dude and these two girls Kim and her friend, they start making out and all the boys are starting to gather around. They start pushing on them, trying to say, hey, give her pressure. Hey, Kim, do more. Take it off your clothes. She's already half naked. She's in a bra and panties and they're in the water, so it's everything see-through. And they just, it's a disgusting scene of all these boys saying, do more, and her saying no. And thankfully, Kim says no, and they back off eventually. 
And Jenny hears that Casper's at a club. She stops by the park, too. Or uh, the telly's in the club. So she goes to the club. And there's kids on drugs making out and everybody's having fun. And we actually get Harmony Corinne in this scene. Him and Chloe Sevigny were dating at the time. And there's having a scene together and everybody's he's talking about how everybody's on drugs everybody's having a good time she should be on drugs too and she says no i gotta find telly he says just have one and he pushes a pill in her mouth and she takes it and she gets fucked up and we learn after the swimming scene that this kid's parents are out of town so they're gonna have a big raver rave party have a house party they're gonna have fun kids are making out all over drinking doing drugs smoking and there's these young kids that it's both funny and depressing at the same time because there's like four of them. They're all got to be around 13, 14, 12, maybe younger than that. And they're all sitting around smoking weed and basically talking like they're in a barbershop. Man, you don't know. You don't get it. You're just a bunch of asshole. You're an asshole talking shit. Look at this motherfucker. He can hold his weed. Imagine a bunch of like 12-year-olds saying this. And in the kitchen, some girl... Comes up to Casper and is like, what's your real name, Casper? And he says, Casper's my real fucking name because he's an asshole. And there's a lot of, what's the word, urban slang, white kids talking like they're black kids, that kind of thing. He says, it is my fucking name. It's, it's sort of a weird, funny scene. And time skips a little bit and the party's over and there's this one kid vomiting in the toilet. Casper falls asleep next to him in the bathtub there's this one kid that actually did make me laugh pretty hard. He's trying to hit on this girl, Gertie. Man, Gertie, I'll take care of you. I'll I'll go out. I'll take you to dinner. I'll feed you, girl. I'll buy you corn dogs. <laughs> it's, I don't know why that line gets me every time, but it's funny. And Harold's over in the corner. Remember him with the dick slapping? And he's sort of forcing this girl down, and she's not really into it. And it's kind of a weird, creepy off sign, but we never really see what comes of it. And the little kids are talking shit. Still, they're on this couch. One of them mentions that they got a, he's got a cross around his neck. And his friend says, oh, yeah, you're into that Jesus. Man, I'm into that too. He's our savior, man. Everybody's going in. As if there's some sort of higher commitment here than just a bunch of kids getting fucked up. And Jenny has learned about the house party. She's in another cab. She's crying. She's coming. And then we cut to Telly convincing Darcy to have sex with him. They've gone off into the parents' bedroom off by themselves. And he's telling her the same lines he told that girl at the beginning. You'll love it. Don't worry. You'll love it. I'm going to make you happy. She asks that pointed question again. Do you care for me? And he says, of course I do. Dick. And Jenny gets to the party. She finds Casper in the bathroom. Where's Telly? And he says, oh, don't worry about it, man. Everything's good. He's in the bedroom. And he passes out again. And Jenny goes into the bedroom and she finds Telly fucking Darcy. And again, he's going, he switched from that tender, of course, I, I, you'll love it. I'll make you happy. Darcy's screaming, it hurts. It hurts. Stop. But Telly's not. You'll be okay. And Jenny's so fucked up watching this, and he says, close the damn door. She's high. She's trying to stop him to tell him that he has HIV, and he's giving it to Darcy, and oh my God. She just can't handle it. She's still fucked up from the pill, so she goes down. She sits on the couch and falls asleep. We cut over to Casper waking up. 
He wanders around. He smokes a cigarette. He starts drinking the dregs. If you've ever been that sort of fucked up or messed up, where you're walking around finding half-empty beer bottles and drinking the rest of it. And he goes into the bedroom, and he sees Telly and Darcy naked, and he's just frustrated. Damn it, he did it. He slept with two virgins. Telly's got everything. We see this all from his facial expressions. This kid is a decent actor, the kid that plays Casper. And then he finds Jenny on the couch. And he can't wake her up. But he notices she's not really responding too much, so he takes off her pants and begins having sex with her. She half-heartedly tries to stop him. She's half asleep, half still on drugs. He says, it's me. Don't worry, it's Casper. Don't worry. As he's having sex with her. And one of those young kids that was so funny earlier, acting like the barbershop quartet, the barbershop conversation, just passed out on the couch next to her as Casper rapes her. And we're forced to remember also that, oh yeah, Jenny has HIV, so now Casper does too. More like Telly than he ever was before. And Telly gives this monologue how he loves fucking. Fucking's the best thing ever. It's all he's got. He's got no fucking. He's got no will to live. So we got to learn. We got to think about what happens the next day. If he finds out he has HIV, that he's been killing people. Essentially. Will he keep having sex? Will he keep hurting people? Or will he kill himself? Because he's got nothing else to do, nowhere else to live. And the last shot has Casper waking up on the couch, staring into the camera. Jesus Christ, what happened? Cut to black. And I'm conflicted on this. Whether this is just some grimy art house movie that shows essential truths that people don't really want to see, that kids as young as 12 can smoke, drink, have drugs have sex, you know, go crazy. When we know this is true, I'll tell you right now, I saw this in high school, the same kind of behavior, thankfully, again, without the consequences, a lot of it, that usually came in college when there's no one to regulate, no school to be at, no home to go to. That's when the kids started dying in my little social circle. But in this situation... Who knows how things are going to turn out for these poor little bastards. Of course, this is accelerated. How much of this could actually have happened in one day, but in a week, sure. In a month, definitely. All the violence and the sex and the drugs, of course, they could all happen in a day. Especially to kids that are used to it or left alone. And that's, yeah, I don't know if I like it or can recommend this movie. It's a hard watch. It's difficult. But it's fast, and it goes. Whether or not you think it's exploitation or a wake-up call, who knows? I just hope the kids out there today make better decisions than we did. But I think that's what every generation's wished on the one before them. Protect them, keep them safer, better. Guess what? Kids are kids. So that's it for this week. Remember to help us out on Patreon, dollar a month. You get complete book reviews and maybe some extra episodes as I start getting to the movies a little bit more often. I'll be moving this week and still having some weird technical issues with the computer I have. may have to upgrade a little bit, so it may, may be a little bit problematic getting some episodes out on time, but we shall see. 
Uh, follow us on Twitter. That's pretty much all I am on nowadays, the band library on Twitter. Remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get this episode. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Stay in. Read a book. Watch a movie. Music, Dances and Dames, by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.